Well, today uh, we are getting ready to conclude a series and start a new one. Let me give you a little look down the road a little bit. Uh, next week we start a, a courageous new thing. I've never done this for four weeks. I'm going to have um, one big word for the month and uh, it's part of the theme for the year. Uh, the theme for the year is called How to Build a Future. Say that with me, please. Come on. How to Build a Future. And each month I've told you how to do it. You know, change the way you think, change the way you approach life. You know, there's a whole lot I've said over the last several months. And this month, one of the things I'm saying you have to do is you have to make sure that you know how to manage storms. If you're going to build a future, you have to learn how to deal with diff difficult days. Uh, we do have a graphic that um, we've used throughout the series. Uh, it's this picture of a little girl who is all dressed up in her rain gear. And the goal of this image is to portray to you that in order to deal with rain, you have to deal with storms. You have to have the raincoat. You have to have the umbrella. You have to have all that in place. So I'm asking the team, would you put that up for me, please, so we can show them the graphic of this little girl? Because I think, uh, yeah, there she goes. She's my friend. Um, she favors my grandbaby, too, but that's not, that has nothing to do with this, by the way. Um, but she's geared up and ready. And so each month I've been telling you what you need to do to build the future. And I'm really excited about the last three months of the year and the three things I'm going to share with you in each month. But this month uh, coming up, we're going to deal with one word. Everybody say, listen. listen. If you're building a future, you have to learn how to listen. You can't always do all the talking. And a lot of people who are very good at talking, they like hearing themselves. Um, and so you should just tape yourself and play yourself back to yourself. But if you really want to grow, you have to listen. So next month, starting next week, I get to listen to you. And so you get to send me questions. You get to send me things that, you, that are important to you. And I think on an annual basis, I need to make this the theme. Uh, on the, because every year, at least once a year, I should step away from the typical sermon preparation process. And uh, I proved that I'm not lazy, right? Come on, work with the brother now. Work with the brother. Come on now. Come on. All right, I get one hand clap. I'll take that. All right. No, let me help you. You didn't get sermon notes at your last church, just so you can know. Some of you might have. But uh, by and large, uh, I work hard and we work hard as a team to help you have at least a clear sense of where you need to go in your growth and walk with God. And I think once a year, it's really great for me to step away from that normal process and say, let me just see what they would want to know. And so here's my email address. Uh, but I don't have to tell you that because you all know it. Let's see. How many of you, don't say it, but how many of you already know my email address? Raise your hand high. Oh, this is sad. Okay, do me a favor. We're going to say, okay, this is what you'll never forget it. You ready? I am the what? Ah, stop right there. That's the first part of the email address. So if you can remember the word what? You're there first. And I'm the pastor at, pause. Oh, you're already cheating. You already know, right? So I'm the pastor at what church? Dot org. It's an organization, right? So we're there. So now, how many of you know my email address now? Some of you still don't know it, uh-huh. What's the problem? What's the problem, bro? Come on. Pastor at what? Overcomebyfaith.org. So what you do is you email me a question. You say, here's some stuff I hope you talk about. Here's some questions I have. And you probably got loads up. Now I'm going to give you, at the bottom of the sermon notes, I give you a clue. Next week, one of the first things I'm going to talk about is storms. And I gave you a verse and all in the Bible in Luke. I think it's Luke 21. Well, I'm going to start off with answering the question, why do we have storms? What is all that about? I'll give you some thoughts and ideas. I don't have all the answers, but I'll give you a couple of thoughts and ideas and a little bit about, a little bit about what the Bible says, and then we'll spend 35, 40 minutes answering questions. 
Now, we're going to basically focus on one at each week, each month, each week rather, a specific area so we're not all over the world. If you email me your questions, I am no really good at responding to you. Now, I'll do this as long as I can. I get about 140 a month. So if it gets to be 340, 540, we might have to pray about it. But right now, it's, it's good. And, and, and sometimes they're really long. People get really anointed. And, um, and I, you know, just kind of shrink the anointing a little bit and help a brother get through it. Uh, but I've enjoyed them. I enjoy responding. And don't feel bad if you sent me along when you're okay. We're all family. It's all good. I read every line. I told you that, right? I read every line and I responded. I send links. I go to send you to rickytemple.com. Uh, I have a lot of different articles I list there. Uh, you can go to be nosy, R-I-C-K-Y-Temple.com. It's my dump site. I dump a lot of stuff there. And so if you want to say, what's he reading? What's he thinking about? All that's there. So what you can do is um, send me a question. Say, okay, I hope you talk about in the month of October this. I hope you answer. I'd like you to answer this question. Some I will answer in church. Some I'll answer directly. So it depends on how you send it. And that's it. Now, you have to say one thing. Repeat this with me, please. Say, the brother is trying. Come on, people, work with me. Come on, am I trying? Yes. Now, so if you don't do your part, what, what, whose fault is that, right? You got, you, got, you got classes on Wednesday night. Let me throw this in while I'm on the roll here. On Wednesday night, we got classes, right? And these are small group classes. One is called adulting. Can you say adulting? Those of you that are young adults, let me tell you, it's a really cool class to go to. I hope you go to it this Wednesday night. It kind of helps you understand the transition. It's a great thing. I love that class, and I love uh, the whole concept and the whole conversation they have. They had some great conversations this week. So if you want to go to adulting, it's Wednesday night, starts at 7 o'clock, small group, hour and a half, in and out. We don't keep you long. We keep our word. We let you out. You don't have to worry about us. Matter of fact, you're going to be out of here in that quick. Now, a little bit longer, maybe that quick, but you'll be out of here in 30, 45 minutes, you'll be going out the door. I like the fact that we don't hold you long and you get a good word and you get to go home. So all that said, everybody clear? Yes. Amen. Let's get to it. Praise God. I want to talk to you today as we close our series uh, from the topic. Repeat it with me, please. Say, how, how Paul, Paul survived his storms. This is part of the series, which is titled, How to Manage Your Rainy Days. This is part four in the study. And the goal of it has been simply to show you how you survive storms. Now, what I'm really doing this time is I'm kind of cheating. I'm going backwards a little bit, and I'm showing you how Paul survived his. Paul is our example today, and he shows us three big lessons, three things that I think he taught us in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. So this is a study of 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20 through 33, and in those verses, Paul teaches three things. And these three things really amount to a lesson in how you survived past tense storms, how he rather survived storms. And they're really kind of a bit of a surprise. And I, I gave you a homework assignment last week. I said, read this text in the Message Bible because it's really, really honest, really strong uh, and, and somewhat um, direct. And I want you to listen to the three things that we're going to learn, so you'll know already what we're going to say. You just can note these in your notes or write them down. Number one, Paul, Paul survived his storm by rejecting poor leadership. That's the first thing we're going to see. How he uh, survived was not allowing everybody to have the same level of influence in his life. And Paul challenged the Corinthian church to not do that. Secondly, Paul remembered his past sermon, his past storms. He's going to give us a list of 21 storms. It's an impressive list of issues he faced. And in these storms and in these challenges, Paul fought, fought hard to, um, 
to remind the Corinthians that they were not the only ones who knew how to survive storms. As a matter of fact, he's going to compare himself to them, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Thirdly, Paul allowed people to help him. Now, I want you to repeat that with me, please. Come on, say, allow people to help you. Some storms you face, you cannot overcome them alone. It's just not going to happen. You'll drown trying to do it on your own. And you'll see how Paul acknowledges in this chapter, I needed help and somebody helped me. If you go back to the top of the notes, I want to first set the stage and help you understand who he's talking to because he's talking to the Corinthians. I don't know if you know who the Corinthians are, but the Corinthians were very uh, worldly people. Uh, They were loose, partying, uh, fighting, uh, ghetto kind of people. Uh, (laughs) Real uh, feisty people. Uh, And and you see this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, The book is filled with, um, it starts off with strife. They were fighting among themselves. Um, one would say, I like this preacher. One would say, I like Paul. One would say, I like Apollos. Uh, they were fighting about who was the most gifted in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians. They were fighting. They were suing each other uh, in the first part of 1 Corinthians. They would literally take each other to court. And so if you were to watch um, the news and it had a, a, a report, a news report about Corinthians, it would sound like this. Uh, well, here we are today watching uh, another lawsuit here in Corinth. Uh, Deacon Charles is suing Deacon Bob. Deacon Bob didn't pay him for some work around his tent, and so Deacon Charles was taking him to court. Why are you taking the deacon to court? That's what it was like. It was awful. And then they had a lot of incest, and everybody was dating everybody, if you know what I'm saying. Everybody was hooking up. It was horrible. And they were church people. It was just a mess. Can you say mess? It was a mess. It was a mess. And Paul was trying to get these people who used to be non-Christians, they all came to Christ, but they brought all that with them. And that's what you do when you first come sometimes. You bring all that past behavior with you. And so Paul is trying to help them be better, do better. And so in 1 Corinthians, you see a lot of talk about fornication, adultery, about suing each other, about divorce and separation. I mean, it's a mess. It's just wives denying husbands, husbands cheating on wives. And it's just full of everything you can imagine. When you get to 2 Corinthians, now Paul writes because now they're talking about him. And they're saying things like, so who is this guy writing us these hot letters telling us what we can and cannot do? And there's a group of leaders who were, who were in particular very, very critical to Paul. And they criticized him and said things like, well, who is he? he well, matter of fact, when he comes here, he writes with impressive tone. But when you see him, he's not impressive. He's kind of ugly and whatever. They said some mean things about him. And so Paul says, oh, and then they call Paul a fool. He said, yes, I'm a fool, but I'm a fool for Christ. You ever heard that term before? And so Paul, in response to them, there's this back and forth going on. Paul jumps into this conversation in chapter 11, and here is the dialogue back and forth. It's fascinating. And the first thing he goes after is the leaders. And the first thing he says is, be clear that if you're going to survive the storms of your life, you need to make sure you don't allow everybody to influence you. So listen to what he says, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 20. He said, you have such an admirable tolerance for imposters who rob your freedom. Now, this is in the Message Bible version, by the way. Rip, they rip you off, steal you blind, put you down, even slap your face. Wow. Verse 21. I shouldn't admit it to you, but, but our stomachs aren't strong enough to tolerate that kind of stuff. Since you admire the egomaniacs of the pulpit so much, remember this is your old friend, the fool, talking. Let's, let me try my hand at it. 
do, do they brag of being Hebrews, Israelites, the pure race of Abraham? I'm their, I'm their match. In other words, let me, let me, let me just, uh, let me see if I can compare myself to them. And that's what this is about in 2 Corinthians. Let me establish my authority as a leader. Let me show you that I have grounds for what I'm saying. I'm not just, I'm not just talking the talk. I've walked the walk. I have lived through storms. I've lived through challenges. And what he does is he lists 21. Oh, it's impressive. Now hang with me. Ride with me. Look at what he recalls in verse 22 under number two in your notes. And they servants of Christ, I can go them one better. Are they servants of who? Christ. I can go them one better. I can't believe I'm saying these things. It's crazy to talk this way, but I started, and now I'm going to finish. Verse 23, I've worked much harder, been jailed more often, beaten up more times than I can recount, than I can count. And at death's door, uh, time after time, I've been flogged how many times? Five times with the Jews, 39 lashes. Now, you'll see what that means in a minute. And beaten by Roman rods three times. Uh, pummeled with rocks. Once I've been shipwrecked three times. Now, last week we studied him being shipwrecked one time. That happened to Paul how many times? Three times. And then he was immersed in the open sea for a night and a day. Imagine that story. So do you want to be the Apostle Paul? Think about it. Here's a guy who worked harder, he said. He was jailed. He was flogged five times. 39 lashes each, that's 195 lashes. So imagine how his skin looked, imagine how his back looked. He had, he had scars everywhere. Because it doesn't always hit you in the back, it loops around your face, it hits you on this side, it hits you in the back of the head. He was a mess. He looked like a man who'd been beat up. If you get hit 195 times, you deserve to say, ouch, come on, say amen. amen. All right, watch this now. He was beaten with rods three times by the Romans. He was stoned. Uh, he was shipwrecked at three, three times and immersed in the sea. He doesn't stop there. That's the first list of seven. Look at verse 26. In hard, in hard traveling year in and year out, I've had Ford to Ford Rivers. We'll explain that in a minute. Fend off robbers. He had to fight off robbers. Struggle with friends. Uh, struggle with foes. I've been at risk where? In the city and at risk where else? In the country, endangered by the desert and and sea storm and betrayed by those I thought were brothers. So he traveled hard. He was he had to be he had he braved a brave brother rivers when the rivers were uh, were coming at him. He had to fight his way through rivers. He fended off robbers. So imagine having to fight robbers. Fighter guys, amazing. He fought off robbers. He was a guy who struggled with friends. He's a guy who faced risk in the city and out. He was a guy who was betrayed. Now all of that is Paul's first list of fourteen storms. But he's not finished yet. He said, I got more stuff I could tell you. Now watch verse 11, chapter 11, verse 27. He said, I've been through, and I love this list because this list is something I can really relate to. He said, I, I've, I've, I've known drudgery. I'll talk about that in a minute. Weariness. Hard labor. Many a long and lonely night without sleep. Many a messed, missed meal. Blasted by the cold. Naked to the weather. And that's not the what? Half of it. It should be all of it, dude. It's not half of it. When you throw in the daily pressures and anxieties of all the churches. Now, the first thing on the list that I thought was impressive is drudgery. You know what that is, right? Drudgery means to be deal with menial, dull, irksome, fatiguing task. He said, you know, I've had to work on jobs I didn't like. 
I've had boring days. I've had to manage drudgery. I've had to manage that, that, that frustrating feeling of futility. You ever had that? You ever had this, I just hate this job feeling? You ever had that moment when you just want to say, I need something exciting in my life, but there's nothing exciting? You just got to clean the oven, you know what I mean? There's nothing fantastic about this day. It's boring, but that's something he learned to manage. For you young people, let me hip you to something. That's called adulting. Adulting, A-D-U-L-T-ing, adulting, is about knowing that going to class and studying a subject that's absolutely boring with a teacher who puts you to sleep is part of, say the word with me, please, come on. Adulting. So some of you say, I must have been adulting all week. Because... (laughs) Because this class is killing me. This is, this is murder. This is not right. I don't understand half of what you said. Can't do that. You just have to hope you get it sometimes. Adulting is dealing with stuff that's not fun. It's getting up at night with babies. It's dealing with the issues of finances. It's dealing with grass and lawns and broke air conditioners. You ever had that happen to you? You know what I'm saying? And they always break on the weekend. Why? Why don't you break on Monday? Why do you break after they close? Why? 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 Everybody say adulting. Adulting. He was an adult. He had to learn how to manage adult moments. You know, it's so funny. People, when they get married, they have this this, this assumption. You know, it's going to always be so romantic because it is on TV. It's always romantic. Hi, baby. How are you? No. There are times you look at the person and you go, okay. (laughs) Move around. Do something else. I already saw that. It's called what? It's called adulting. It's adulting. It's absolutely boring. Every job's like that. You say, is your job like that, Pastor? No, no, my job is always exciting. Of course it is. Sitting down for hours and writing sermons is just wonderful. It's always, it just comes to me quick. Never have to struggle, right? right? Just come, bam, bam, bam. And the people are always excited when I preach. They always look interested. They never fall asleep. Of course my life is exciting. It's wonderful. Of course, all the time. And every sermon is a home run. Every sermon is absolutely fantastic, right? Listen, you don't even say anything. Let's see, that could hurt my feelings. I could be offended right about now. See, notice it's not. It's called adulting. There are days I do my best. You don't like it. I don't like it. We try it again next week. That's the way it works. It's called adulting. You just have to find a way to be an adult and go past this, quote, feeling and this need And Paul said, I've learned how to swim through those storms when it's not that exciting. It's just not that fantastic. It's called hard labor, he said. Sleepless nights, he went on to say. Missed meals, managed cold weather, daily leadership pressures, and managing the anxieties of leadership in the church. He said, all 21 of these were my storms. And that's what I had to manage. And he just kind of looked over at the Corinthian guys and says, have you done that? That's what I've done. God helped me manage these seasons. And you got your own list. You may not have this list, but you've got your own list. And you know what you ought to do sometimes? Write it out. I do. Because every now and then, Ricky Temple needs to be reminded, dude, you can make it. You made it before. You made it through this. You made it through that. I just write my list out. And sometimes when I'm at my lowest, and you mean your lowest comes? Oh, absolutely it comes. It tries to overrun me. 
And sometimes in the middle of a good morning, something will come. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. You know, you should have done that. You, you're late. You're not going to be on time. Oh, boy. You didn't. Is your car dirty? Yo, you should have gone to the cleaners. Ah, you didn't fix this. Ah, look at dirty clothes. Ah, look, 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 look. You know what I say? Stop it. I'm a good man. I'll clean as I go. And I try my best to do it right. I'm big on all those things I just named. But my life is not perfect. Can you say that with me, please? Come on, say, my life. It's not perfect. Now, here's what I do. I work. I work because I know I do better when things are in order. I do better. I won't, have the, I won't give this, this thought power if I continue to do things that work against me feeling good about myself. I give it power. But what I try to do is I try to honestly assess how well I've done. I go back in time. And I do like Paul did. I pull forward those things, those things that I've come through, those things I've learned. I tell myself, Temple, you're fine. Temple, you're going to be fine. Don't dwell on that. Get past that. Step over that. I, I walk out of depression. Every, you might be surprised by this, one of the biggest plagues for preachers is depression. And do you know why? You're always on display. Every week you get in front of people and they judge you whether you're up or down. Let's have a thumbs up. Come on. See, I'm doing great. Good. See, that's it. <laughs> Every week, you, you go through this emotional thing. And then when you finish, here's one thing that's really amazing to me. And you're going to do it today. No matter what I say, you're still going to do it. I promise you, when this is over, every one of you is going to be guilty of this. You're going to turn around and go that way. You're not going to come up here. Now watch some of you. Now I'm coming up, Pastor. Say hi. But you know, and, and you should go that way because it's over. I can't expect you to stay, right? Right? You have to go. Is that right? You can't come up here and stroke my ego, right? See, son, look at you, right? You're writing all the time over here, right, right, right? <laughs> see, and it's, see, they are right. I can't live for that. Mom, you can't live for it. Dad, you can't live for it. Boss, you can't live for it. Celebrities have learned they can't live for it. Because you can't, that's not what God designed me to need. I have to learn in my life, when my moments come, to pull forward God's best in my life. Pull forward something that happened. Paul stood up and says, I'm strong and God's hand's been on my life. And he names them. Name something God's helped you do. Give me something. God helped me what? Name it. Survive an accident. But give me, give, me, give me something that you've accomplished. Give me an accomplishment. What did you accomplish? Buy your first car. Ain't you somebody? Take us all for a ride. God help me do what? Give me something positive. What did you accomplish? What did you do? What did you do? Yes, what did you do? Graduated with a three point what? Nine seven. Ain't you somebody? That's what Paul did here. He pulls forward the things in his life, and sometimes you need to do that. If you ever want to feel rich, here's what you do. Don't think about all the money you spent. Don't even mention it. Think about how much you made. Let's say you made $30,000, right? And you've made $30,000 for the last 10 years, $300,000. You got to talk about that. Yeah, I made about $300,000. Let's talk about that. 
You might have spent $29,000 each year, but don't talk about that. <laughs> Just leave that out. Leave that out. <laughs> Just talk about what you made. Think about how victorious you've been. You know, some of you should do it. I challenge you. Add up how much money you made. I know. I add it up. I do. I know. I'm not going to tell you, but I do know. I heaped a number, run, a running total. And I said, all right. Temple. I don't talk about what I spent now. It's about <laughs> and there's something about, now my, now my challenge is I want to keep more of it going forward. So I'm on this big savings kick. Because I realize there's something powerful about that. Sometimes you spend so much time on what you didn't do. You say, you know, don't tell people you didn't finish college. So I went to college. Leave it right there. Bam. <laughs> Drop the conversation right there. I went to college. That's it. It was wonderful. What did you finish? Well, well, not. So my plan. So I'm working on it. Didn't quite finish, but I had a good. But most people don't ask many details after that. And there's something about celebrating. You might say, "Well, my relationship didn't work out." Here's what you do: add them all up, all ten of them, and then you have one year good in each one. Some people say, how are your relationships? I had 10 years of good relationship. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to help you. Amen. <laughs> Just forget about the other stuff. I mean, yeah, see, whatsoever is good, whatsoever is good, think on Philippians said what? These things. There's something about, I'm not saying don't face the truth about what happened in your life that didn't go right. I'm saying to you, there's something profound that Paul models here about remembering, going back and pulling forward the victorious parts of his life and bringing forward the areas of your life that are wonderful. And I am tempted, I don't know if you face this or not, but I am tempted to not dwell on that. I'm tempted to allow one bad moment to cover every good thing in my life. Some of you are living in one repeated bad moment, like a bad movie, over and over and over and over and over again. And, and you just have to be careful about that. I remember one time I, I got up uh, uh, in front of this uh, big event, and uh, it was the bankers, it was a bunch, some of you, money, some of you might have been there, and I tripped coming up the stairs. Hilarious. Of all the days to fall down. <laughs> of all the days, now we got Pastor Ricky Temple going to come up and give us something. I don't know what I did, a, something. I did a devotional prayer, I spoke, I don't know what I did. And I, I, I tripped, I tripped. It was, uh, wow, re reenactment. Bam, I'm down. You ever been down here? You don't know what to do, man. You just, it just wasn't planned. This is like in the moment. I'm here. So, you know, when you're down here, you got to hear what's going on. Oh, God, I'm so embarrassed. Oh, my Jesus. Oh, God. They should have got somebody else. I don't know. How did you fall? Feet, what's wrong with you? I'm having all this going on. But I don't have long because they're all looking. And everybody's going, ooh. Come on, say, ooh. <laughs> it was a moment. So you know what I did? I got up and I said, all right. See, what you do is you hop up after the fall. You look like an athlete. Go, hey, you go. <laughs> Let them know you fine, praise God. And you know what I said? That first step is amazing. Let's get on. I went right past it. They went. They laughed. I laughed. Everybody say, move on. No, no, come on, say it like you mean it. What? Move on. Move on. 
I really don't need to be, Lord, falling to have these illustrations. It'd be great if I didn't fall. But it's part of it. I just wish I could be perfect, but I'm not. I wish every day wasn't, there wasn't days of drudgery, but there are. And if you don't learn how to put on your weather gear when those stormy days come, you, my friend, are going to be miserable all of your life. And here's what some of you do. You have this really big mistake you make. I'm going to find somebody, some storm curer person. I'm going to spend my whole life looking for a storm curer person. Can you cure my storms? And then you kiss them and hug them. And you think, oh, that's it. Love is going to cure my storm. No, it's not. Love will create some more storms for you. Because what you find out is nobody is a perfect storm curer person. They don't have the power to heal all my storm issues. There are moments in my life when I can't, nobody can fix it. My wife said something to me it was really mean. I thought it was the meanest thing. I, when we first got married, she said this to me. And I just thought, how could you say this to me, woman of God? How could you? I was in one, I got, well, I don't know, got in a little bad, I won't say funky, but that's the word I felt, mood where I was just kind of, you know, with, I don't know, ministry problems. And so I don't know something. And she looked at me and she said, listen, Temple, I can't help you. Call one of your preacher friends. I said, what you say? She said, <laughs> she said, it's out of my league. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know any Bible verses for this. I was just in a bad mood. I was just struggling. And see, there are moments when nobody can help you. You're trying to get your husband to fix you. You're too jacked up. He can't fix you. He don't know what to do with you. Neither does. Come on, say amen. Hang with me now. Sometimes, you're, sometimes people don't know what to do with you. You don't know what to do with yourself. That's why you need to get in the mirror and say, get over that. In Jesus' name and move on. Come on, say amen. You challenge yourself. Dan's a big encourager, but there are moments when I am the pastor of this church, and that is my issue. There are moments when there's nothing I can do. There are moments the offering was low and budget was a little tight, and you folks were going out the door. I would say, come on back up in here. Get the deacons out. Pull a little table out. You need to come on, get some more money. Come on, we need to. <laughs> but we're not doing that. We're not doing that. But there are moments when you just have to own it. Manage it. And not allow yourself to be drowned in the storm. Put on your rain gear. Hold up your umbrella. How many of you come from snow country? How many of you have lived in the snow? Now, now you know how it is. I went, to, I went to St. Louis one time. At first, I never, I never been in, I grew up in L.A., so I never, I was born here but lived, grew up in L.A., and I never, we, you know, we, we don't have seasonal weather. I didn't even know that grass changes. I didn't know, I did not know that grass changes. I did not know that. No, I didn't. When I got married, my wife said to me, she said, well, Ricky, you won't have to water the grass past, you know, when November, whatever. I said, why? She said, she started laughing. You, you, she said, the grass, it's, 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 it's going to go brown. I said, why? She said, okay, this is work. She started, because I never was around it, ever. So I didn't know. When you went, so anyway, so back to, I went to St. Louis one time, not knowing weather, and uh, I had on my nice little dressy shoes, and I had on a little, little suit, you know, looking like this, all jet, whatever, GQ, I thought. Got off that plane, I didn't know I could shake so much. <laughs> I, I didn't know that my lips could, I didn't. <laughs> and that wave was going all up in my clothes. I, I said, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, oh, whoa, that's cold. Man, that's, 
It was the coldest I'd ever been in my life. I, and I, you know what I did? Take me to Walmart, man. Find me a store. I need some clothes. I didn't come prepared for this. There are times in your life when the weather gets bad, and if you address right, you just tighten up a little bit. And, web, and people who are from cold country know how to do it. You triple layers, right? Layer it up. Don't be trying to look fancy. Layer it, layer it deep. Couple of pairs of socks on. Get the gloves on. Come on with me. Work with people. And a hat. Put your hat on. You want to be cute if you want to, but if you want to live, put the hat on. <laughs> Come on, say, bad weather, bad weather. requires the right dress. You have to learn how to manage that. And Paul showed them, I know how to manage it. But then the last thing, I'm done for the day. Paul said this. There's some storms that you can't manage alone. And so Paul tells a story of how he let people help him. Now, this is in chapter 11. Last part of your notes here. It's amazing how in chapter 11, Paul makes this incredible statement. He says, guys, I remember a time when I was in Damascus. And he said things went crazy. And the storms got crazy. Under number three in your notes. And in verse 32, he, he, rec he recounts the story. Remember the time I was in Damascus? This is chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32. Remember the time I was in Damascus that the governor, uh, that the king, Artis, posted guards at the city gate to arrest me? I crawled through a window in the wall and was let down into a basket and had to run for my life. Do you remember the time that they almost killed me? Some brothers helped Paul. He'd just come to Christ. You know, he was preaching, and maybe he went too far. I don't know what he did, but he, he made some people mad, and so they were trying to kill him. And the brothers had to gather him up. Okay, come here, man. We need to help you get away. The storm is too big for you to manage on your own. There are times in life when it's like that. The story is recorded, by the way, in Acts chapter 9, verse 23 through 25. You can read it on your own. This is one of those moments that we all face. The storm is just too big. My finances are just too much of a mess for me to fix. You know how you know it's a mess? Because you can't fix it. And you keep living in the same cycle. You really have to open your heart to allow people in and allow them to lift you up like they did Paul. They lifted him up in a basket and they let him down the wall. They let him down on the side of the wall. Sometimes your marriage is so messed up. Sometimes your, your life, your perspective on life is the way you see it because you keep having the same results. Different cities, same problem. God freed you. All your debt was removed, and then you're back in it again. How? It's because of the way you think. But here's, here's a rule that I, I hear people say this. It's not something I say. I understand it. I understand privacy. But here's what I think traps you. I don't want anybody in my business. I don't want anybody to know what's going on. So we're about to be evicted. We have no money. You're about to be fired. I was fired. But we don't want to t tell anybody. We don't want to ask for counsel. We just want to sit here and die. Really? Really? Okay, so you beat me up. But you want me to stay home from work for a couple of days so I can heal up. And this is something you do when you get mad. But you don't want me to tell anybody. You don't want me to call the police. You want me to lie to them. So we're just going to stay in this mess. Until you kill me, I kill you. That's the plan. 
you lose your cool, hit me, I fall, hit my head on the table, and you, and you tell the police, she was dancing, and then she fell down. That's what you want me to do. Okay. What, what, see, notice, you're isolating yourself. Instead of saying, we got angry issues on both sides of this relationship, and I may be on more on my side than yours, and we need to get counseling, like right now. We need to pause this. Look at me, people. This, where are you going with this? Where will this end? Can't be good. I've known people who kill people, and they didn't mean to do it. I get to go to prisons and preach a lot, and they often say to me, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't mean to do that. I've never killed anybody before. I just got mad that time, and just before you know it, bam, it's over. There's something about realizing that you're, in, you're living in this place you shouldn't be living in. And you need somebody to help you. you got to open your heart and let somebody help you. How many times do police officers arrest people and they say, why'd you do that? I don't know. I don't know. Some of you are on a road right now and you can pause, you can stop if you let somebody do what? Help you. That's the difference between surviving the storm and not. Father, I pray today what we've said has been helpful. I pray that people would listen today to the message they've heard and say, let me open my heart to counseling, to advice, to a mature person that I trust in my life, someone that they know, many times they know a person that they can go to and say, hey, man, let me talk to you. I'm struggling here. It's getting real tense in the house. Our finances are getting really messed up. I know you're good with money and Maybe you can give me a couple of tips. Father God, help us. You've been grieving a little bit too much. You lost somebody you love, but you, it's overtaking you. You need to go and say, hey, can I talk to you? Maybe a good friend you trust. If not a counselor, you need to find help. You need to not sit here and die like this. Look at me, I'm going to tell you a story. Look at me. There's a guy, excuse me for sitting, but there's a guy. He came to my office and he was really depressed. Really depressed. At the end, and, and, and I tried to tell him, he was telling me how he'd mess up his life and how he, he destroyed himself and how he said, I, was, I just felt awful. I've embarrassed everybody. And, and I said, but people still love you. He says, Temple, nobody loves me. Man. We sat there for 45 minutes, an hour. And he left. And he went and he killed himself. And that's what I said to Wow. Wow. That's happened more than once in my life as a pastor. How deep is your hole? How far down have you gone? 
I think about him a lot. Comes to my mind. You see, this can be bad. This can be really bad. Stand with me. This does not mean what I'm about to say does not mean that you are where he was. But wherever you are is not a good place. Storms have made you frustrated. They've intimidated you. They've caused you to feel ways that surprise you. Someone talked to me the other day and they were crying and they said, um, uh, as a matter of fact, the person who inspired the series I was talking to a member and they inspired the series. And the person said, I did not believe that I would respond to storms this way. I'm disappointed in myself. I thought I'd be better than this. I thought I was stronger than this. And I said to the person, it's not fair. You're not being fair to yourself. Sometimes you need somebody to help you. So I'm going to pray for you. Come on, who wants me to pray for him? Come on to the altar today. Come on down. I don't care what you're facing, what you're going through. If it fits for you today, for whatever reason, whatever reason, see this whole idea of what people think, forget them, please, for once in your life, forget them, please. For once in your life, ignore everybody and think about you, maybe just for a moment. Maybe, maybe there is value in you valuing yourself. say something I it's probably it's not nice but I'm going to say it you know what I hate about this job man isn't that terrible I told you you wouldn't like it right? it's terrible sometimes there's a season in this job where you feel like you got to perform you know what I mean you got to pray in a certain tone in the name you got to do all that you know? if you feel it fine but you know if you ain't careful you feel like that's what you got to do you get dressed you got to got to be tight you got to be right can't go up in the house of God looking funny. Can't wear your jeans. Mess with me, I might become a jean preacher. I don't know. Get sick and tired of having to be something. Can I just be Ricky? Can I just be okay with me? Can I just love my God and make it through my storms? Can, come on, amen. Can I just, can I just step over that? Buckle up. Ready? You're holding on. You get married. You're going to be, you're going to be, you in love now. And then when you get married, the person you love with, you ain't loving right. Interpret that any way you want. You ain't do right. You need the lessons or whatever. That make you frustrated. So you say, I'm going to give up on that too then. And then people say, you don't look right. So you try to go to get the women. You know, you pressure. You got to get your hair right. You got to get your, to- your toes. Men don't care about their toes. Got the ugliest toes in the world. And they want you to get your toes done. Tell him to get his done. Praise God. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> you know what I mean? A lot of pressure. A lot of your nails got to be right. Your, your eyebrows. You got to go get. Men don't get. What is this called? What you call it? Eyebrows? What's that right there? This, what is the what is the eyebrow? Thank you. That's right. This is the last, right? You can tell I know what's happening, right? 
He got to get something. So he even, he got a master's degree. Hang with me. <laughs> Men don't get all that done most of the time. You got, you're trying to get everything perfect. Pressure. Eyebrows, eyelashes, toes. Now, some of you got to be careful. Don't let everything go. <laughs> some of you say, I'm going to let, let it all go. I ain't letting nothing. Let it, <laughs> I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, it's time for some of you to say, I'm helping you right now. I'm going to lift you up, put you in a basket, and let you go free. It's okay not to have it all together. It's okay to be working on it. I think you need to take care of yourself. Do the best you can with what you got. But I don't think you need to live in bondage. Lift those hands. Let me pray for you. Father, free people today from depression, frustration, feelings of insecurity. They've lost weight. The devil said you didn't lose enough. They're underweight. The devil said you need to gain weight. Frustrated by everything. You make more money, then the devil need to make more money. You're always unhappy. Father, in Jesus' name, we lift our hands to you. And we say in Jesus' name, we want to be happy people who trust the living God, who love ourselves, who believe in the future, who are not going to be weighed down with guilt and shame, but we're going to be confident people who love life and love you. And Father, we give you all the praise and we give you all the glory and all the honor in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen. Give God a big hand clap. Give God a big hand clap. Come on, thank you, Lord, for your praise. Come on, thank you, Lord. Come on, come on, praise him. Come on. Father, we thank you today. We honor you. We praise you. We worship you today. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Now, you're next to somebody who's been where you've been. They got their own storms. Give them a high five. Say, I'm glad I came today. Go back to your seat. Come on. Say, I'm glad I came today. In Jesus' name. Go back to your seat. Praise God. Praise God. Listen, I'm so glad you came today. I want you to go back to your seats. Have a seat. Going to close you out with one prayer. We're going to watch a video announcement. We'll let you go home in just a minute. Are you glad you came today? Come on. Are you glad you came? I pray you are. Father, I thank you for this service today. We thank you for all that's been accomplished as we go back to our seats. We leave with faith knowing that you've helped us make the difference. Thank you for the opportunity to be in the house of God. I pray for those who've come to this service today and would say, Pastor, one of the things that I need in my life is to give my life to Jesus. I have not surrendered my life to Christ. You may be a, I may, you may be a good person, but they'd say, I have not made that decision. So with every head bowed one more time and every eye closed, if you say, Pastor, pray for me. So that when I leave this building, I can say, I gave Jesus my life. Not that you're a good person, but you've, given, you've made that decision that from the day forward, I want to give Jesus my life. If that's you today, I want you simply to raise your hand and say, yeah, Pastor, pray that prayer for me. I want to give Jesus my life. I want to surrender my life to Christ. I realize that I need to start with God, walk with God. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody else? I see your hand. I see your hand. I see your hand. Anybody I see your hand? I see you. Thank you. I see you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. Let's lift our hands together. Father, we thank you for these who prayed this prayer. May this be the beginning of a new life for them. And may they say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. Thank you for this chance to start my life over again and for your forgiveness. And because of what you've done for me on the cross, my life is able to start again in Jesus' name. Blessings and grace, forgiveness and, and power, I pray, in the lives of those who prayed this prayer, both here and home, in Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. All right, now here's what I want you to do.